Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lights, camera, and cut to it. Another exciting episode. Let's just jump into Jamar Chase. 19 targets, 15 receptions, 192 yards, and three touchdowns. Where has this Jamar Chase been all my four weeks prior? Well, it has to do with an unhealthy calf by Joe Burrow. Now that calf is getting healthy, offensive line is doing pretty good uh, when they hold up. And it's just been pretty remarkable. Jamar Chase went off. And there's just a few things that really impressed me on how with Zach Taylor being able to set up uh, the touchdown. But then just watching Jamar Chase get active in the secondary. If you're a corner trying to cover Jamar Chase, good luck, buddy. Because it's rarely do you have the speed and the physicality that Jamar Chase has. Like, Tyreek Hill has the speed, but he doesn't really big boy you a lot. Jamar Chase is big boying people off the line of scrimmage. Let's get into some of the film that I can break down of why I believe Jamar Chase will continue to have the impact. Now, you got Jamar Chase up top right there. He's uh, minus, minus two, runs a quick out. Look at just the quick out. He's just going so fast. And then you got him in a slot. Right. Slot receivers already are doing things. Then you just got them in the end zone, stopping on a dime, turning around. So you got them in a three by one right here. You got a safety who's what looks like about eight and a half, almost 10 yards off. It is no way he's going to cover this guy. And then you got the corner looking at a boy, uh, looking at Tyler Boyd, who's already losing. Look at the court. Look at the safety. Has no idea. Listen, when you see that right hand go up, that is when the corner safety defender is trying to land the airplane. Guess what? He's not a airplane, but yet he's trying to get it. And then he almost runs into the corner. Running into the corner is actually the only saving grace because he wasn't going to get there anyway. At least now you have a legitimate excuse on why you don't get there. Jamar Chase, his ability to get in and out of routes, obviously when Joe Burrow is protected and he's delivering the football. Even if he's not protected on this one, he's open in a second and a half. Why would you ever put a safety on Jamar Chase? Like safety over the top with a corner, I understand, but just safety on Chase feels like such a mismatch. It is a mismatch, and, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Now, this – hold on. This is – so this is the part – this play right here really sets up something else because you have him outside. He's going to run. The quick out. Well, one, it's already a quick out. It's funny is you when you say quick and you put Jamar Chase and it, 
they they go together. But right after this, same formation, they run a curl and the post. But really what's intriguing is Jamar Chase's ability to track the football. Most guys track the football and they're running like this. Jamar Chase is running still in stride and being able to maneuver and keep his balance is pretty good. Runs the quick out. Go ahead and play it. Runs this quick out. Look, just move. You know, he doesn't really give any tells that what he's doing. Now, this is what I'm talking about. So the corner is off. You have a curl un- up at the top. You have a curl. So that attracts all of that. That leaves open all of the other side of the field. And now it's a two-on-one. Generally, a two-on-one for a receiver always seems to put some things in question mark. With Jamar Chase and his vertical uh, push, go ahead and play it, it really doesn't help anything. So he's going to run He's gonna run a quick out and setting it up. I think this is the touchdown now. Boom. What is pretty cool about this play that most people don't even notice, Joe Burrow can throw this football near the 40 Mm -hmm. on the other side of the hash. But where he throws it isn't for Lamar Chase to get cut off by the safety. He understands what kind of player Jamar Chase is. So he throws it to where Jamar Chase can run and outrun the defender. And the defender gets out of position as well because he assumes what we all think. He's going to throw it to the front pylon. He throws it back to the middle of the field. Go ahead and run it. And watch how the corner loses leverage because he thinks the same thing. Right. And it's not even close, bro. What's – I mean, on that play specifically, there's never a defender within like 10 yards. So even the freeze frame we just had. There's three defenders technically near him. It's a 10 year like that's as wide open as wide open gets. Like he right there, there's nobody that can make a play on him at this point. Unless, like you said, if well, he throws well, it to the for, to the boundary. So what is the right way to even attack him if you're a defense? I I understand well, he has game changing speed, but this kind of cushion can't be the can't be the idea. Well, here's the problem that I got that you got a, a linebacker, they're running like an invert. Well, the middle linebacker is kind of running a two Kathy who uh-huh. doesn't have a chance to he, he has zero chance. No. Right? You already traded your speed linebacker with Simmons. So now you gotta now you believe that he is one, two, three, four, five. He is six yards away. Look how fast the six yards turned into 16 yards, 26 yards. Look how quickly. It's crazy. Well, even go go back when he's faced towards the line of scrimmage is when they're dead even. But that's not like that's not even because the linebacker yeah. doesn't have the same speed. So right there, they're even. And then when he starts to turn, he's cooked. Jamar, like that's he's done. There's nothing he can do anymore. He's out of the play. Yeah, it's not even close. I'm just, only thing I picked up off this is just the ball placement by Joe Burrow. It's pretty good. 
and catching it. He caught the ball like at his fingertips. He doesn't dive, doesn't panic, just catches it. How much his of that ability is, to track the football? How much say? of that is chemistry that they've had since LSU? I think it, I I do believe it has to do with chemistry. I also just I just think it's just the the great ball placement by Joe Burrow, understanding where to put the ball, and the receiver just having the ability. Jamar Chase having the ability to make them right. Right. Because naturally you, I, I believe naturally you think that ball should go away from the defender, not back sure. towards the hash. And that's exactly where it goes. Yeah. Cause you see him, he, I mean, his, his momentum's carrying to and right about there, he starts smoothing it out downfield. And then he smooths it back out and then gets back in and tracks the ball. Tra- and here's a great thing about it. He tracks it and catches it over his shoulder. Right. Right. That's a, Tough catch. Yeah, it looks like a wide open pitch and catch, but there is more to it. Yes. That 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 catch is kind of like Ken Griffey Jr. out in center field, man. Yeah, I can it's see like that. I see the ball. Oh, Slice I it doesn't, it. I misjudge it. The flight of the ball just does something a little bit different than I anticipated, oh, yeah. but I can adjust like that. So how much pressure does a wide – because I know you spent your whole career believing you were wide open every single snap, which is what Jamar Jamar Chase and I think every wide receiver one thinks. But Jamar Chase, after last week's loss, came out and said, I'm always open. But he was open, though. I'm not denying. He was open. I'm not denying. So it's not like he just threw it out there like, oh, they're not getting me the ball. They weren't getting a lot of people to football. For sure, yeah, they've been struggling. First half Bengals are very real. But when you say that out loud, you're you're inviting like, hey, just toss it my way. What kind of pressure does that put on yourself? And then to go out and perform the way he did, it would have been the best week of the or best game of the weekend if DJ Moore didn't go crazy Thursday. I don't think it puts any more pressure than you already have on itself. This is a team where high expectations. You just signed Joe Burrow to $200 million. He hasn't practiced pretty much all of uh, preseason and training camp because of the injury. They started off on what, 0-2, 0-4 last year. And then there's this expectation, you know, hey, don't worry about it. We've been here before. Cincinnati has this Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, there's this this expectation they're no longer the team of the past. They're, they've turned over a new leaf. You can count on them to be really good. And they have quarterbacks that are reliable. And so when the quarterbacks who are reliable and the offense becomes unreliable and the results are not what people expect, People are hitting the panic button because they're going, hey, what should we believe? Should we believe what happened last year? Should we believe the new contract? Should we believe this, the stats? Should we believe the draft status? Or should we believe what we're seeing on the field? And and people are kind of, hey, what's what's true? I think this game shows you what's true. Is this a team... When they when they are hitting all cylinders, they're a pretty dangerous team. 
Now, I think they need to get rely on the run game, but they don't and they won't. It's all going to be air raid. And so eventually at some point, they're going to find themselves, especially in this AFC North, they're going to find themselves needing to rely on running a football. But what's intriguing is the guy that they last year really depended on in running the football, uh, P. Ryan, he's no longer there. So now are they going to actually rely on mixing the run of football um, consistently? No, I mean, I'll, I'll keep saying it. Biggest play in Cincinnati Bengals history, they had Mixon on the sideline and they gave it to P. Ryan. So I don't, I don't know if they've ever had the, the trust to, to give it to Mixon when they need to. Um, but is, is Jamar saying that last week? Is, is it as simple as just like, hey, get your best players the ball? Like, I, I do think there's a lot of overthinking that we see all over the league. And I think throughout the course of the season, we talk about those first 10, 15 plays every week and all that. I think sometimes you forget, like, you've got playmakers. You spent high draft capital on them. They've been really good in the league. Give them the ball. It's the worst that's going to happen. You you got to give the guys the ball. And um, if you don't, you know, it's it's, it's going to be kind of like here where they start to question how good is this team? You know, is it is the, have you used the right picks? Are you utilizing all the guys you have? And then it'll eventually be, is Zach Taylor the guy that could take you to the promised land? Right. Right. Yeah, so. jobs are at stake every Sunday, and today's. Let me tell you, you talk about jobs at stake. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers with George Pickens? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a guy like this who has the ability to change the tempo of his route so much and impact the corner on how he covers them. Good instinct, good great instincts, man or zone. Man, there's just so many little nuances that George Pickens does on a football field that if you're watching it, just like as a regular fan, you may see it and you may not. But George Pickens was doing something to the Baltimore Ravens and to Marlon Humphreys and company in that secondary for the Baltimore Ravens that only George Pickens and Kenny Pickens (laughs) knew exactly how to set up the game went and drop. 10 targets, six catches for 130 yards, and the game went and touchdown. And let me tell you, his game went in celebration on the touchdown, clutch. And a little <laughs> bit cold, too. So George Pickens is up top. Look at just how he changes up. Now, back shoulder throws are not a high percentage throw. But yet with George Pickens, they become almost like a – a 90-10 play. This, he shouldn't be throwing this ball. <laughs> but with George Pickens, they've really created this back shoulder throw that's been real successful. The only way you can really stop it is by literally grabbing it. I love the referee allowing the two guys to kind of hand, hand fight. But the next play really shows this. You don't catch it the first time. So let's, you know what? Ah, let's give it another try. Nice, good release. Goes off the line, gives that little hesitation. That's what I'm talking about, that tempo. Gives a hesitation. Again, they, they run a 
against George Pickens is not a with George Pickens, it's a high percentage throw. But most of the time, a lot of these guys, we haven't seen the back shoulder throws uh, completed like this except uh, James Jones with the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers was back there. Yeah. Right. James Jones was notoriously known as he he actually was the guy that started with the hood in the in the back. When he was yeah. wearing his jersey. Yeah, 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 he had the full sweatshirt on. He was. Yeah. <laughs> and then so now on this play, he's going to run just a nice little in route. But they run an in, uh, an out and in. Does it make to throw on stone? But now he shows you that he has the ability to get over the top. He's had mm-hmm. back shoulder throw. He's running in route. All of a sudden, he gives a little casual step. I love Kenny Pickett actually going for it because he's telling him, I believe in my guy. Now, I really like this run. This is a dig route. He kind of gives – he. first of all, Marlon Humphreys comes off foot surgery. He already gets him inside, changes it up. Marlon Humphreys grabs him. Get, again, referees allowing them to play. The way he changes up, quick release, goes inside. One of the key things when you're looking at a wide receiver is the separation. Can he get open? Does he know what to do in zone coverage? Now you have him in reduced formation, runs a corner, great ball placement. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, when you watch Pickens when he runs, he's almost like he's gliding. Like it's like it's effortless form. Goes inside. Kind of like, okay, have a nice little stroll. I know his zone coverage. Let me go ahead and get this safety to open up a little bit more. I know the corner is sitting down on the flat, so I could just go ahead and sit in that zone, throws the ball up. Now, what do you do now? He's already run by me. He's already run uh, a quick out. He's running in, back shoulder. What do I do? Marlon Humphreys is not following him, so now that's a mismatch that I want. Gives an indicator step outside. Bad ball placement really runs out of real estate. But again, just check out his release. Check out his release. It's nothing special about his release from the naked eye. But man, it's a real skill to be able to just get outside, get skinny. And then you see he's already getting his hand ready to chicken wing and give the separation needed when Kenny Pickett throws the football. Against Marlon Humphreys, this is cover zero. They're letting you know. We got to win this football game. If Kenny Pickett has anywhere he wants to go, he's already, look at his eyes. Kenny Pickett's already telling you, (laughs) I already know where I'm going. Marlon Humphreys is in great position. Until they get to about the 30. When they get to the 30, Kenny Pickett does what he's been doing all game, which is back shoulder throw. He, he baits Marlon Humphreys into thinking this is a back shoulder throw. Left arm is showing. He looks back. And what does Marlon Humphrey do that he's been doing all game? When Kenny Pickett looks back, Marlon Humphreys has been grabbing. He goes to grab, and Kenny Pickett doesn't stop what he's been doing. Muscle memory, he doesn't stop. Remember I talked about he starts to calculate? Yeah. Okay, 10 yards. These are the routes. He's not going to run a hitch. He's not running a slant. Out wide like this, he's not running a curl. 
for the last 60, what, 58 minutes, he's been killing us with what? Yeah, back shoulder. A back shoulder throw. Soon as he gets what to the tw- all all to the eighteen, he be- Marlon Humphrey be- Marlon Humphreys believes that it's gonna be a back shoulder throw. Then all of a sudden he realizes it's a go route and it's too late. Is part of that math and calculations not? Like down distance and time of the game, though. Like you're in, you're in cover zero. Aren't you? More, you're not okay with any completion, obviously. But aren't you more okay with back shoulder? I can make the tackle as opposed to nothing over my head. I I think I believe that's what he thought until he realized the ball was in the air and tries to start to speed up and realizes I can't get it. Right. It's crazy how they set this up. The Kenny Pickett. If they could continue to operate, if Matt Canna can continue to operate and give this young man the opportunity, they'll be fine. Against the Baltimore Ravens, the AFC North, this this setup is really, really good. But we'll get into it later. I don't know if the Baltimore Ravens can survive playing this type of football. This game is is a tell. This year they lose with a Kenny Pickett touchdown. Last year they lost with a Kenny Pickett touchdown. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. They're going to have to figure out, they're going to have to get some other corners because this is unsustainable. And Marlon Humphreys has been hurt a lot. And he seems, he wasn't a speed guy already. And then with a foot surgery, Seems like he's losing a little bit of his juice, just just slightly. Yeah, and that was his first game back. It's certainly not the easiest uh, assignment game one back. No. I just love Pickens, the way he's able, back shoulder throws, good instinct, his tempo. He's a special young man, special enough that he's become their number one guy. Deontay uh, Johnson is out with a hamstring. Yeah. Um, they're just trying to figure things out. And the pass game is something that we've known for the last couple of years with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Matt Canada, the offense coordinator. Um, they need to figure it out soon because, honestly, this AFC North is up for grabs. It is. I think everyone's got three or two wins. Uh, the Steelers are in first right now because they won that game. They get a negative point differential. So it is extremely undecided Uh, of all the divisions that is the least decided at this moment another division that's a little undecided just because of the two teams at the top is the afc east but the team that is very decided is the new england patriots they're oh your new england patriots their goose we're about a month and a half out from thanksgiving and their goose is already cooked their holiday goose is stuffed basted it's been Mm. in the oven for quite some time They are done, and they should be done. And I know you as a player hate hearing stuff like this. There is no incentive, zero incentive, for the Patriots to attempt to win another football game this season. Uh, you, so you're saying that go out there and just don't show up? Now, listen, so you're saying go out that's there what they did the against the Saints. <laughs> they already did that. You talked about another team when we were talking last night about looking at their body language and just being like, there's no effort here. There was zero effort shown on Sunday against the Saints, and it happened early. And when you throw a pick six on your first drive, uh, 
they they already know what time it is. They're 31st mm-hmm. in the league in turnover differential, which is the biggest red flag for a Bill Belichick coach team. They are consistently one of the best teams. Even in these lean, bad years, their turnover differential still isn't god-awful. It's at least league average, if not towards the top of the league. That's what they do. They're not getting any pressure on Derek Carr. And the Saints offensive line, that really hasn't done a ton. Uh, it's a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys. They're figuring it out. And a lot of teams are, are using the Patriots to figure a lot of stuff out. Defensive lines are pinning their ears back. They're not even blitzing. They're just rushing for Patriots offensive lines. been terrible since Skarnecchia retired for the final time. I don't know how hard it is to coach offensive line. I understand he's well-regarded as one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time when it comes to coaching offensive line. I didn't know that meant we had to regress to being the worst after that. They couldn't have found some middle ground somewhere when it comes to coaching offensive linemen. So that's Mm. been brutal. And Mac, he's got all these sources uh, talking his stuff for him behind closed doors. He's been doing that since he got to New England. Uh, very untrustworthy characteristic that I don't care for, especially when you, whoa, whoa, you're whoa, bad. When <laughs> you're actively whoa. bad, I don't say well, it with the chest. So, don't say it behind ex- closed doors. Man, I always find it interesting when players drop nuggets or their camp drops nuggets. It's a problem. Say it out loud. Tick. Te- Teams do it all the time. I don't like that either. I don't like the leaks. I don't, and it's okay, Boston. Okay, okay. So every team leaks. I don't like that. I, I mean, when I talk about the Red Sox, all I do is land base the front office and ownership because all they they own the Boston Globe, so they leak it in the dirtiest way imaginable. So that's always <laughs> bothered me. But well, if players, you own the Boston Globe and a Boston Globe is talking, is that technically a leak, or are you just writing an article because you own the newspaper? The way they go about it makes it seem like we had nothing to do with this. This is hands off. Yeah, I could fire that guy tomorrow if he doesn't write exactly what I tell him to. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. he happened to just agree with me somehow. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't I don't like that either. I agree, it's bad. I don't know why people can't say stuff with their chest. Like every every you always hear that that line. It's a business. Well, then why? Can't people say anything honestly out loud? Why does it always have to be through these back channels that somehow make it to the media and then we talk about them? It's grimy. And it's worse when you stink, uh, which Mac Jones does. He's not good. He's And it, it may not all be his fault. A lot of it could be the Patriots' fault. I don't disagree with that sentiment. But as long as the offensive line is going to be actively bad, having any sort of stationary quarterback, that's Zappy, that's Mac, that's anyone who can't really move, isn't going to work. So that's where it's like, yeah, let's just lose out. I'm upset Judon's hurt, both because he's hurt and he's a really good player and because that's one less asset we can get because you could have moved him before the deadline. I don't know when he's going to be back, coming back from injury. But all the people talking about firing Bill Belichick are insane to me, not because he's been doing a bang-up job. I think he's 37 and 30 since Brady left, which is perfectly mediocre, as mediocre as it gets. Sean Payton just got traded last offseason. He was on TV. <laughs> he was on the television, and a team traded for him. He was never nearly as good as Bill Belichick, like genuinely never in the same discussion. Really good coach, maybe not as much of a good coach after what we saw last Sunday, but it, with the Saints, regarded as a good coach, Belichick, you're just going to fire him? 
No, to talk to him. Say, hey, is there another situation out there this offseason where you'd like to go? We will trade you there. I can think of a couple situations off the top of my head that will probably be open that I could see being appealing to him. You don't think Jerry Jones would trade a first-round pick for Bill Belichick? Of course he would. With no hesitation, the one thing I'm really upset about, Christian Gonzalez won Defensive Rookie of the Month uh, for September, was genuinely a joy to watch. And now, even if the rest of the year was a lost year, it was still a lot of learning, a lot of development for him that now gets pushed to his second year. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. he got hurt. Like, you never know how anyone's going to get uh, bounced back from an injury. So that, yeah. that's been my least favorite part of this season by far. So you guys got J.C. Jackson back, though. Are you excited about that? I love it. Uh, it was like that's where it's like there's still so many classic Patriots things that are happening, which is also why if Belichick wants to come back, he can coach as long as he wants. It's not like I want him gone. He can coach as long as he wants as far as I'm concerned. He, he's earned that that uh, rope. I understand that's not how the business works, but in my eyes as a fan, completely fine with it. Getting J.C. Jackson back with the Chargers having to pay all the rest of his contract up front that's classic Patriots. There was also a play in this game against the Saints that would have been classic Patriots if Mac Jones didn't just throw it backwards for no reason. The tush push is is like the talk of the town, of NFL yeah. time, uh, town square. The Patriots lined up in tush push formation, and they ran a fake and pitched it. Ramondre would still be running as we speak if Mac had thrown it in front of him instead of directly backwards. But that's where I'm talking about the effort. Like, he's not even trying. That's where I can't respect the backdoor stuff. When Brady lost the Super Bowl and Giselle's saying, what's he supposed to do, throw it and catch it to himself? He got killed for that. And he was good. So that's where it's like, yeah, if you're going to be bad and talk, yeah, I'm going to trash you. Yeah. I don't, look, East Coast folks, y'all different. So <laughs> we care way more be. than we should. We, really we take do. a college and, sports and Irrational, too. Irrational thinking. What did I say that was irrational? No, I'm, I'm just group lumping. Uh-huh. lumping. not saying at this particular moment <laughs> as an example. Just talk about globally. Listen, we were we were four uh, Super Bowls in, and people were were complaining like it was. Yeah, never, that's my point. Yeah, that was the tough part. That's where I was like, everyone needs to calm down. There will be a time and place for complaining. Now, when I do the complaining, people tell me I'm wrong. It's insane. It's an insane uh, place to, to live. So uh, let's let's change topics, right? Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. All this talk. We're not doing this. We're not going doing that. You think the Nick Chubb injury impact the negotiation? The contract negotiations? I think it impacted it from Taylor's point of view because yeah. he sees another running back, another top running back go down. Luckily, Chubb had already been paid, was set to get paid again potentially, and that's probably not going to happen now, sadly. So it had to have affected his mindset. He went from demanding a trade to withdrawing that, probably negotiating with a little bit more good faith on his side. But I still don't understand why that would change the Colts' point of view. I, I don't understand exactly why either, but it, it, it got dicey. Yeah. But I think the Nick Chubb injury really justified Jonathan Taylor. Like, look, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Right. You can sit here and tell me the running back position is devalued, but if you don't pay me and I go out there in good faith, nobody's going to sign a guy because of what he, they think he could be. 
and then he gets hurt, and now it's a it's not a guarantee right. that it'll it'll wind up to work out. Man, also, when I saw the Nick Chubb thing, I was like, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm sitting there, I'm I'm sitting there looking like, nope, I ain't doing it, won't do it. I think the crazy part, he now has the third highest AAV for any running back in the league, and it's still just a three-year, $42 million deal. So even these big running back contracts, they're not back-breaking for an organization. And I think that's why no. running backs are like sitting there like, come on, you can't do anything for me? There's like, I think you got 19. Nothing. So you can't guaranteed. do it, nothing. <laughs> like this, this isn't – and I've seen – a lot of people who have been in the media anti-paying running backs, because that's really where this started. Media people, analytic people were saying, hey, these guys are replaceable. You've seen it. Alexander Madison has not been the running back Dalvin Cook has been. A.J. Dillon has not been the running back Aaron Jones has been. You cannot just plug and play guys and assume they'll have the same production. These are individual human beings. doesn't matter the blocking. doesn't matter any of that. They still, they still have to be guys who read holes and, and have acceleration, have burst, don't fumble all the time. Like There's a lot of things individuals do that aren't just because their running backs can do. Or, the, sch- feel- or the scheme dictates you'll be successful. Oh, we're zone blocking scheme. We'll hit the outside edge. It'll be fine. We can plug and play anybody. You can't plug and play anybody. No, no. Um, but I've seen a lot of people who have even who have been responsible for this start to look at some of these tight end, tight end contracts and go, now, wait a minute. These guys are getting paid. They're having even less of an impact on a play-to-play basis than some of these top-shelf running backs, and no one has a problem paying them. And I'm not a, I have no problem with anyone getting paid. They're, they're putting their lives on the line out there. Everyone should be getting paid. But this idea that running backs have no value is it's crazy. I think people are starting to see that it's a little insane. You, you can't just plug in place anybody – because he has a helmet. Oh, let's right. you know, <laughs> right. Nick Ch- Nick Chubb, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, you'll have a guy that can that'll come in and show you some things, right? But not every team's backup in a good scheme is going to show. Like I talk about all the time with defense, situational pass rushers does not mean all of a sudden you're gonna become a prolific pass rusher. Every down because you only come in on third down. Like Madison comes in on third down with Dalvin Cook. He was a third down back. And now he's an every down back. And then you just, you know what? Let's let's trade for Cam uh, Akers because he has more burst. Man, Jonathan Taylor, I, look, people could dislike the way he went about it. But I don't, I don't blame him. I don't no. blame him one bit for saying, hey, I'm not doing it until you pay me. And I think the Nick Chubb thing sped up everything. I think where it may have had an impact on the Colts, Ursay, a little bit of a crazy person, but I could also see an injury like that hitting him right here in, in the chest and making him change his tune because he was tweeting some wild things when Taylor was asking for a trade and and saying he's going to hold out. I think his account got hacked. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, things were spelled too correctly. Couldn't have been him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. So you got your running back back. Yeah. He's balling. You got your big quarterback, rookie quarterback, who's doing great. 
And you know, some people came at me on our on our page talking about uh, what they say. Steve shut the blank up, let the kid play. Now he's out for a month. Grade three AC joint. I'm not hating. I'm just saying that just because you're six foot four, two hundred something pounds, six foot three, two hundred pounds, six foot two, two hundred pounds, freak of nature, doesn't mean that you're gonna impose your will on the whole other league. Like, hey, he's the biggest and baddest. Hmm, guess he's not. It's gonna be tough. He's left the game, he's left two games prior to early because of injuries. Oh, he got a concussion because he fell wrong. Yes. My point is Anthony Richardson has the ability to impact this game, I would say what, let's say for the next eight years in a positive way. He has the ability to take over a football game because of his physical athleticism, because of also his willingness to learn and be teachable. What he came into the Colts with coming out of Florida and what he has done thus far, bro, it's pretty good. But you, what do they say? You can't impact the club in the tub. All the things that were bad for them last year, even outside of the quarterback position, have gone back to two years ago where the offensive line looks better, the defense is playing better. So the Colts aren't terribly far away if Richardson can come back no, and stay healthy. No, they're not. And, and I was surprised that Tennessee uh, lost his game. But then you look at you look at the Colts, what they're doing defensively, and then obviously uh, Gardner Minshew coming in there. And I don't want to say elevating as if he's better than Andrew Richardson, but when your backup comes in, when you have zero plans – Zero plans of Gardner Mitchell playing. That is an elevation, right? You do elevate the play because when he goes down and he's sitting there doing this, there's you get deflated. You're like, oh, Lord, what do we do? And then Gardner Mitchell comes out there and he's like, doop, doop. And then they, Zach Moss is balling. Then you got Jonathan Taylor. And so now you have a two-headed monster. Yeah, and it's also what you were saying earlier, talking about Marlon Humphrey. You're you're downloading all this information. You've just had a week of prep for Anthony Richardson for a specific type of offense. Now all that gets thrown out midway through the game. You have to adjust. All that information isn't there. It's new information. You got to dump it and try and learn on the fly. I'm just not sure Tennessee like w- where they're gonna go from here. Tennessee is is struggling. I it, it, it is very apparent that Ryan Tannehill. At some point this offseason, they're going to move on with him. But are they comfortable enough to move on with Will Levis or Malik Willis? And we know the Malik Willis thing. We, we don't really know how he's evolving. Right. It's a lot of fuzziness going on. And then Vrabel being a defensive-minded coach, they can't, they can't pick secondary guys to save their life. No, they take high upside guys with big question marks and they, they tend to overlook the big question marks and then the big question marks avail themselves time after time <laughs> after time. What was it, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech? His like whole back was shattered when they drafted him. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, they took what was it, Christian Fulton out of LSU who, very athletic kid, but they were like, is he sticky? Can he actually defend and hasn't looked 
very consistent on a week to week. Has made some plays, but consistency was a question mark, remains a question mark. So they're taking big swings and yeah. and they consistently throw the football in this league now. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, you talk about consistency, the Chicago bears Ooh. as inconsistent as they come. The offense has come alive the last two weeks. Uh, yes. Defense still very shaky, um, <laughs> shaky, shaky, <laughs> but Justin Fields, what, what have you seen these last two weeks compared to the first three weeks? Has there been a change in, in him and how I, the I, offense has been called? Bro, I don't, I don't even, I'm scared to say there's been a change because we don't even know if it's going to stick. Right. Because you don't go from not doing anything and all of a sudden the last two weeks you throw for 616 yards, 617 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 131 over the last two weeks. And literally, we were just saying two weeks prior to that, or Chicago fans were saying two weeks prior to that, should we start to fire this coach and start to plan for Caleb Williams at USC and possibly hiring the head coach of USC, a package deal. Hey, we're going to fire this guy and hire this guy. Kind of like what the Arizona Cardinals did. I I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. And what worries me about the narrative Right, we're talking about Mac Jones. Narratives really become important in NFL because it's not actually, it's sometimes not actually what you see on the field, it's what's being said. Sure. And then when something happens on the field, they go, Oh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew that guy was this, I knew that guy was that. Justin Fields is not a pocket passer traditionally if you compare him to other quarterbacks. Whoop de doo, great. We all know that. But what I question is, man, you don't throw for 16, 617 yards by accident. You have to have some leverage of competency to be able to do that. Right. You got to know the right read and go through your progressions. Yes, he was throwing it to DJ Moore, but DJ Moore was beating the guy. And you got to hike the ball, line up, make the right read, uh, look at the safety, then throw the ball. I just think with Justin Fields, they're trying to do way too many things, trying to make him into this and that. They want to make him a pocket passer, but the problem is your offensive line isn't very good. Right. Why do Which I sit knew. in a pocket? Yeah, why do I sit in a pocket when it is hazardous to my health <laughs> to stand there and deliver the football? Yeah. I'm the fastest guy on the field. I can run away from this, no problem. I don't need to stand here and take this. I just don't get it. There was a play in this Washington game specifically, because I've seen a lot of Bears fans, anti-Fields Bears fans, who are saying you can tell he wants to tuck and run, but he's becoming indecisive. And they're they're conflating that with him not knowing where to go with the ball. There was No, a play- how about there's people trying to injure him that are chasing him. <laughs> And he's trying to figure it is survival. Do I run? Do I throw it? But it's still going to hurt either way. 
Well, they look like a play. It looks like he's having like an internal dialogue. He's got the just run with it angel on this, and then he's got the stand on stand in the pocket, stand tall, and make the throw angel on this one. <laughs> Deliver the ball. And you can see you can see that conflict because there was a play. He goes through his first two reads and then he starts to run. And then he just stops and he's like, no, I need to make the pass. That's where I do think he is getting too much information. Some some people you just got to let go play. Like, how how did he get to the league? He got to the league by playing a, a, a certain way. Let him play that. That was the, That's the reason you took him in the first place. Where is you traded up to take him? Oh, that's the part that blows my mind. And then you at the end of the season, here's what I really think has happened. The end of the season, they're playing on all cylinders because the coach, Lou Gessie, under, he's like, okay, we're playing really well. All right, let's give – he did these things good, and we gave him – right? We gave him a note card of information. That note card is 50 plays, right? And when I say 50 plays, that's not a knock on them because here's the thing. You can see that menu that they have, the call sheet. Bro, some of those call sheets are just different formations, the same play. And so you'll have 50 plays in or 35 plays in three different formations each. And, bro, you can have 145 plays, but the base of the play is the exact same play. I think they... I think they're trying to be so creative that they're stunning, not Justin Fields' growth, the growth of the offense. And it's like they they went one and one in these games because the defense gave up 31 points to the, the Broncos of all teams. So it's like the off, even when the offense is humming, I think I saw Fields, he's like 0-13 or something like that when his team gives up. 28 points and it's like yeah most oh, quarterbacks really? are terrible when but it's the fact that that's over the last two Phil's, years it's phil's fault though that's what i mean yeah so that's where it's like i'm very interested to see what happens in chicago the rest of the way because whether it's earned or given they're probably going to end up with that first or second overall pick either they're going to be giving away fields for the cheap and someone else is going to figure them out or Another, they're going to be trading a pick, so another team can go get that quarterback. But it's a very interesting. As someone who doesn't care about the Chicago Bears at all, it's very intriguing to see what happens. How are they? Because it's the Bears. They're probably going to mess it up. They're probably going to do the wrong thing. Wow. Well, it'll it'll definitely be interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, but they, you we're brought talk- this up. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to transition. Yeah, we we bring that. I, this is a great question. Go ahead. This so is we were, a dope question. Yesterday, we were talking about Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator of the Detroit Football Lions. Uh, and he'll be a hot name, especially if this offense keeps cooking the rest of the season when it yes. comes to coaching higher season. And part of the team, the, part of the reason I thought about this, or we thought about it on uh, TWS yesterday, is the teams that are looking to hire coaches, typically bad teams. So yeah. would you rather be a first-time head coach, but you're saddled with a rebuilding team, probably a team in mm. dire need of help, or would you rather continue being uh, a, a well-paid offensive coordinator of a very good team? First of all, you got to uh, interview well. Yeah, uh, there's There's been times where people have said, oh, 
you'll hear, oh, guys go on interviews and then they come back and say, oh, I'm deciding to stay. Sometimes <laughs> they realize that they didn't interview very well and they still need some coaching up and they realize what I thought I was going to be. I'm really not prepared for. Yeah. A lot of coordinators this year interview for jobs and I heard they weren't great at articulating who and what kind of coach they would be. Yeah. Because you have to have something to stand up in front of a room full of men and be able to command, demand, and articulate, respect, and communicate in a way all of these different people from all these different walks of life can all go, we got you, coach. I get it. Right? It. A lot of these coaches are great one-on-one. Sure. But not all of them communicate clearly and effectively and manage all aspects of the game in game the right way. Well, even you look at Mike McDaniel last year, wasn't managing timeouts well, uh, wasn't getting play calls in quick enough. Completely abandoned the run game for weeks at a time, not even quarters. Run game coordinator. Yeah. and (laughs) But it's going from run game coordinator to head coach. These are the things where you have to learn on the job. And it's also, I think, sometimes you got to give guys some time. Year two, he comes in, offense is flying around, everything humming everywhere. So that's where it's like, yeah, I can't imagine Mike McDaniel gave like the crispest interview of all time. But the Dolphins saw something there. They pointed to the film. They said, we, we're going to give this guy a shot. It's working out. And the Dolphins weren't exactly uh, scraping the bottom of the league in terms of talent when he got there. So it made it a much more intriguing step. If you're going to leave the 49ers, it better be for something you feel like is a pretty sure thing. But that's where if I'm Ben Johnson, yeah, if I can keep Jared Goff here with Amon Ra, with Montgomery, with Gibbs if they ever figure him out, with Laporta, with one of the best offensive lines in the league, and a division that – no one else Winnable. seems to want to. Yeah, no one else seems to want to compete. Uh, Green Bay lost to the Raiders last night. The Bears are the Bears. The Vikings are uh, one and four now. So that's where it's just like, yeah, this seems like a pretty good setup. I don't know that I'm in. You look at Bienemy. He stayed in Kansas City for a long time. I know he's a guy people said didn't interview well as well for a couple. Yeah, of he, years. Bienemy should be Bienemy should be getting a, a head coaching job this year, and I, I think Bienemy has saved Ron Rivera's job. Mm. For a year, hopefully. But I don't see Ron Rivera lasting beyond this year. Right. Uh, beyond another year. Right, right. This will be I his think... fourth year, and it looks like he he's not going to have a win. He will not exceed his second year in the league of making the playoffs. And I believe Biennemi got brought over with the new ownership that bought Washington, so I think they're – they probably picked him as well. That was probably part of their thought process. Let's get him in here for a year. And I, I honestly don't even hate that if that is your – it stinks for the, the, the current head coach who knows this guy's yes. coming to take my job. But if your concern is putting too much on someone's plate as a first-time head coach, it's not the worst idea to bring him in as just a coordinator and then elevate them. Yeah, I, I, I've also heard that, you know, a lot of people have been impressed with the enemy, but they want – he's a manager of men. Mm-hmm. And they want him to manage and not also call the plays. And I believe he wants sure. to call the plays. So I think there's a little bit of, 
of of a rub, but I think it'll work itself out. And I think this is a year for Eric Bieniemy to finally get a head coaching job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so to answer your question, I would rather be an offense coordinator on a good team than be a head coach on a bad team because, just like here in Carolina, right? We're talking about here in Carolina, talking about six years, not making the playoffs. Man, this fan base is rowdy right now. Yeah. They're they're up in arms. And sometimes if you are a head coach, a new head coach for a bad team, that bad team has rubbed the community, the city the wrong way. And you have to do so many different things to ingratiate yourself in that city to show that there's a new philosophy in town. And as soon as you lose, the first thing the fans do is say, oh, the same old team, right. right? They haven't changed. And there's no, no room for error when you are a new head coach on a bad team. They believe that you're doing the same old crap that the old regime is doing, and they're sick of it. Right. So with that, I would just rather be a good coordinator on a good team. <laughs> yeah, because even if things go poorly – the head coach is going to catch the blame anyways. So it's, <laughs> it's not your problem, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about a new head coach, how about my Baltimore Ravens? They lose against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, the black and blue division, the rivalry. It is no way they should have lost this football game. No. No way. To only score in the first half basically 10 points, you're already with two minutes left. You got 36 plays, 220 yards, almost 17 minutes of time of possession, 14 first downs, and you cannot finish. Averaging in the run game almost eight yards a clip. They start off in the second half and start off slow and still average almost six yards a clip in a run game. But again, score 10 to three. You have nine first downs and you're only up by seven points. Something's going, something's wrong right here. Some So I saw a couple people saying a couple of the drops weren't drops as much as they were hospital balls and guys were trying to uh, not not get knocked out of the game. Is that what you saw? Because I saw some just drops. Here's what I saw. I, I, I saw an offense who who can move the football from the 20 to the 20. Yeah. Can't finish, man. That's not championship winning football. So you've you've played in these Ravens Steelers games. Are they can you look at these games and say these are actual accurate reflections of these teams or do these teams play differently when they play against each other? So that's the the tale of two tapes. They do play against each other differently, especially with the head coach of Tomlin and John Harbaugh. They know each other. They have a type of brand of football. Stop the run, minimize explosive plays. But the Baltimore Ravens had, they were moving a ball a lot. They just had Bateman drops in the end zone, right? Andrews drops a pass. Excellent. Zay Flowers drops a pass. 
Um, Justin Hillman, he gets a explosive play, a screen, and the ball is knocked out for a fumble. They had momentum killers. Yeah. Right? And so, like, can how far can this offense go for the Baltimore Ravens? If you don't score points, it, uh, it isn't going very far. No. No. It wasn't red zone offense part of their problem under their last coordinator, too? Roman? Yes. Yes. Because it, they didn't have playmakers. Right. They have playmakers now. Now the playmakers have to make plays. What have you seen from Odell this year? Because Joey Porter Jr. picking up the mantle right from his father in terms of trash talking, told him to go home and be a family man. Is it does Odell still have stuff left in the tank from what you've seen? Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, he's battling an ankle injury, so you can see. Right. I think he he called his little slant. He's ba- battling an ankle injury. It's really it, that game is hard to say because if you have an ankle injury and then a guy goes out with an ankle. It's really hard to sit here and say, oh, he can't play. There's a lot of things going on in Baltimore. You got seven drops in week five. That isn't good. No. Because Lamar had some plays. He was moving the pocket. He was stepping into throws. He was hitting guys across the field. Like he, the interception of Odell, I think, was on Lamar. That was poorly thrown ball. You know your, your receiver is injured, and you also throw it not out of bounds. You throw it right to the corner. I, I find that one hard to put on the the receiver, but if he throws that that ball and you're up 24-5, it doesn't matter. The game's already over if, if everyone had made those catches earlier in the game. So that's where I haven't seen Lamar that visibly frustrated. He spiked his helmet no less than seven. I think he spiked his helmet once for every drop. Every time he went back to the sideline, he was spiking it, and I haven't seen him that visually frustrated. And he's had much worse weapons than this. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough one. Um I know the fourth down play to have fourth and two, and uh, they he had Zay he had Zay Flowers in the flat, but then he pressure comes and he has to scramble. I don't understand. I I've rarely seen now lately fourth and two. Why are you in shotgun formation? Always looking like you want to throw the ball. You've been running the ball pretty darn good thus far. Why all of a sudden get cute? Well, it's like goal line, too. You see teams line up in shotgun all the time in goal line as opposed to yeah. just having any sort of physicality. Um, and that's, I mean, we've talked about it since we started this show. When TJ Watts on the field, the Steelers' defense plays differently. And whenever they needed to make plays, he was somewhere near the ball. Every time a play was made, especially late in that game, he was somewhere near the ball. But the play of the day by <laughs> TJ Watts, <laughs> has to be the punch out. Man, he hit Zay Flowers <laughs> so hard. Like he stole something. <laughs> yes. Like I saw this play and I'll go, I first thing I said is why? <laughs> like what's what's the context? <laughs> yeah, what did he do to you? <laughs> watch watch this. Look, look. Okay, he's sitting in his zone. Watch it. Yow! <laughs> Look at Zay. Zay's like, ow. This didn't happen in the ACC. Yeah, I'm not used to no, this. Man, this doesn't happen in a lot of places. It's been a great show, man. Appreciate it. I'm, I am Steve Smith Sr. Holy Mick. This is Cut To It.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.